0: City, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is Vine Bear. Today on the podcast, Zach, we are talking about Thanksgiving entertaining tips, tricks, etc. Uh, are you a good Thanksgiving entertainer?
1: Well, I certainly would like to think so. It's my favorite holiday of the year. I mean, you eat, you drink, you watch football maybe if you're so inclined, you pass out early. Like, what's not to love?
0: I actually also love Thanksgiving. Uh it's one of my favorite holidays as well. It's like one of those holidays where it's totally uh, socially acceptable to start drinking basically as soon as you wake up uh and drink throughout the entire day including um the end with with some game night. But I, I will say I I think I'm a pretty good entertainer, but I'm definitely not as good as the guest I brought today. Um VinePair editor in chief Emily Saladino is joining us in the studio and she's going to help us with a uh, all the tips and tricks we need uh, to be expert Thanksgiving entertainers. Awesome. So uh, welcome, Emily.
2: Thank you. Thank you both for having me.
0: It's really exciting. I I know
1: you know way more about this than either of us, because basically Adam and I just know how to drink, which is an important part of Thanksgiving. (laughs) But, you know, presumably people want to do other stuff besides just that.
2: Yeah, I would argue that you are the MVP of every Thanksgiving if you know how to drink.
1: (laughs) Well, especially if you bring enough to share. (laughs)
2: <laughs> agree, agree. Um, no, and, you know, I, I actually agree with both of you in that I think that Thanksgiving is a super fun holiday for, um, you know, it's it's almost un-American at this point to just take a day to hang, you know, where we're all working all the time. We're all married to our phones. It's, it's nice to kind of take a day and you just eat, drink, spend time with your family um, or, you know, whether they're a given family or your friends. I think it's a really nice aspect to kind of like reset.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah it definitely to take that time and and focus on um you know things like family and um, turkey i guess
0: <laughs> totally so what I, the way i wanted to kick off this conversation um was by sort of asking you emily first wh- what are some some i guess tips you can give to people to sort of just like make the day easier? I think a lot of people get really stressed out in terms of making sure they have the perfect amount of, you know, wine, the perfect cocktails, that all the food is ready on time. Like when you approach sort of being a chef yourself prior to, um, you know, being the editor in chief of Fine Pair, like what, what do you see as some, some really good tips for people so that they don't just sort of like lose their minds and also wind up drinking a, a bottle of bourbon just in order to stay calm?
2: <laughs> sure. Um I think many of our our families drive us to drink, but I think it's super important to treat Thanksgiving as a marathon not a sprint. That's true on all fronts, right? That's true on how much you time you spend talking to like that curious uncle. That's true about how long you spend or rather I should say how much you drink. Um, you, you've got to kind of keep it sessionable, I think. Um, I think we've all made the mistake as well of loading up a plate with way too much and then you aren't ready for pecan pie. So it's it's a matter of treating everything, um, you know, a complete day of excess and indulgence that you moderate for the full time you're awake. Um, if you're the person in the kitchen, I think it's really imperative to remember that Everyone will remember how much fun they had. They actually don't care if there are lumps in your mashed potatoes. I am a total perfectionist, and there's nothing I hate more than feeling I'm putting something on the table that is less than ideal. But in reality, your friends and family who come over, they'll remember more if you were freaking out about some mistake than the mistake itself. Um, And it's kind of important to remember that on the flip side, on the moderation (laughs) tip, um, I love drinking while I'm cooking. It's not something you can do when you cook professionally. It's definitely something you can do when you entertain at home. Um, however, again, sessionable. I do not suggest hard liquor while you're cooking. Um, that's just, a, for me, a rule of thumb. You know, I might have a glass of wine and one, or I might have one or two beers, but you just, you have to kind of keep yourself on top of things. Um, And then when you're, when you sit down, you know, you'll, then you can have, if you want to have just a straight glass of bourbon, if that's your thing, you know, or if you want to have a Manhattan with dinner, like do it. Um, But I I do think that when you're in the kitchen, it'll just get out of your hands if, if you drink too much too quickly.
1: So I have an important question, I think about Thanksgiving, which is maybe less the, even the day of, but more in the uh, planning uh, leading up to it how do you approach delegating because I am a little bit of a control freak when it comes to the to cooking um, and pretty much everything about entertaining and I know I'm not alone so how do you kind of divvy up because I do think that it is important even though saying that it's hard for me to you know delegate some things whether it's a side dish whether it's uh, you know salad or some garbage that no one will eat how do you kind of handle that? that element that maybe makes it a little easier on on you when you are the person who's running the show?
2: I feel like you hit the nail on the head. You have to know yourself, you know? And so if you're someone who's easy breezy, just bring a salad, bring a vegetable, bring a starch, then that's cool. I personally think it's best to be as specific as possible when delegating. Um, You know, instead of saying, oh, bring a potato, say like, I want you to bring candy DMs. You know, I think it's best to be super specific. As someone who gets delegated to by my family, whom I love deeply and who has strong opinions about food, I much prefer being told what everyone wants than winging it, um, even though it might seem like a fun opportunity to be a hero and bring something not, no one was expecting. I think most of us treat Thanksgiving, we, we love the tradition of it. Um, you know, it's it's funny, The a lot of food magazines like Glossy Food Publications, they – Will riff on Thanksgiving, you know, uh, a kimchi brined turkey. Actually, that sounds delicious. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there'll be all these kind of like fun, creative riffs on the traditional Thanksgiving meal. And you know, I'm I'm using air quotes when I say traditional because it it just depends on what you like. Maybe your family has always kimchi brined your turkey. Maybe you never have turkey. You know, but it's it's a matter of tradition. Um, I think most of us love whatever we grew up eating. Um, on that day. And so I think like to try, if you've been delegated to, to try to go off script, it's just a risky gamble. And if you are the host and you really hate the idea of someone going off script and not bringing, you know, the kimchi brine that your family has made for for ages, you know, you just, you have to kind of um, know thyself, to thine own self be true, I guess. <laughs> I think you just, you have to to go into it knowing what you want and being comfortable asking for what you want. It's kind of Thanksgiving advice and like life advice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're one and the same, really. So I want to build on the the delegation question because it's it's one that I get really nervous about because I never want to come off as a wine snob, <laughs> but when it comes to asking people the drinks to bring, I've I've heard two things. You know, so. I, my wife has told me two things. One that it it's very rude to tell people exactly what I want them to bring, but like I do, like if I if I'm if it's Thanksgiving, I kind of want Pinot Noir or Beaujolais or things like that. And I also kind of want specific price ranges that I know are good, or I I I want to take control, which means I would like to supply all of the wine for the dinner. And then I don't want to feel like I need to open that person's wine they brought, even though it's super nice they did because then I did take control and plan the, the wines and things I wanted to serve. Like, How do you suggest that I that people like me handle that? Because I don't want to come off like I'm super snobby or controlling, but like wine is really important to me and the drinks that we have at, at this at this meal that we've all now professed to love is important to me, but I don't want to also be a dick.
2: I think that is a great question. I think you have to be be you. You know, <laughs> your friends love you. Your family. What's that? I said you're
1: saying basically be a
2: dick. Be in the, the dick nicest that you want way. to see in the world. <laughs> be the wine snob that you want to see in the world. Yeah, <laughs> if you need to be a dick to get what you want, I guarantee you, if you're conscientious. You can still ask for what you're looking for without alienating everyone. Now, if your friends or family are like, oh, you'd mentioned Pinot Noir like around $30 and I brought this bottle and then you're like, that's not cool. But I mean, in terms of just giving people directives, I think everyone, Adam, who's coming to your Thanksgiving if this is the case, I think everyone who's coming to your Thanksgiving would not, they might expect that you would give them extremely specific. <laughs> uh, sorry, we're laughing a little bit here. I, I think that anyone who comes to an Adam Teeter Thanksgiving probably expects the wine to be good. And so the, I don't think they'll be put out. If it's if they're given a firm directive, again, I love it as a guest in someone's house. If they can tell me specifically what they want me to bring, we all love just having a job and, and doing it. We're all like ultimately German shepherds, and we just want to be told what to do, and then we get rewarded, right? Um, and they get rewarded with you know a, a happy, relaxed host and the the feeling of accomplishment.
1: Yeah, and I I would say I take a very similar approach. For one, uh, whether it's Thanksgiving or any other time people come over to my house, they basically know that they shouldn't bring wine. There's only a few people in my friend group who are allowed to bring wine over to my house, and they've proven that they uh, (laughs) won't fuck it up. Um, I will share – I had a uh, fried chicken and champagne party a while ago, and a good friend of mine, whom I love dearly, brought a bottle of Prosecco. And at first I thought he was joking, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to put that in the fridge and never look at it again. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to you got to kind of you got to kind of lay. Yeah, I think it's it's totally appropriate to me to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, don't don't bother with or don't worry about wine. Or, you know, maybe you tell that one friend or that one family member who has uh, similar taste or, who or you know, is going to come through with something good. That's a different story. But again, yeah, I think most people are happy to just kind of they don't want to feel like they're imposing, especially if you're also hosting. I actually think the bigger question that I have is what do you do when you're not hosting? Because to me, it's easy as the host to say, hey, I, I don't worry about wine. I got it. But when you're going over to someone else's house for Thanksgiving, like <clears throat> I will be doing this year, um, and when they're, say, your uh, wife's friends, how do you uh, <laughs> sort of politely be like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to bring my own wine and I'll share," but like, I don't, I don't know that I want to drink whatever it is you're going to open.
2: Wait, so you're saying, can you bring a designated bottle for yourself?
1: No, no, no. I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I mean, more like how do you how do you politely tell someone um, I would like to bring the wine even though I'm not the host or at hmm. least bring. I mean, maybe the the answer is probably I'll just bring wine and then uh, we'll just open it because um, I'll also bring a wine key and I'll just be like, hey, look what I brought. Let's right. open it. It's, <laughs> it's already open. Got to drink it. Sorry.
2: Right. No, again, I think like we those of us who work in food and beverage um you know if we're conscientious human beings you you don't want to alienate other other people that's like a, a lovely impulse but i also kind of think that probably your your partner's family and friends like they know that you work in wine and they'll probably be excited to try what you brought like i think it's all about approach um if you sh- the reason i asked if you wanted to only drink your wine like that sends a strong message that's maybe unfriendly but is- as long as you're willing to share and like, yeah, you, you roll in, you've got your wine. You don't even need to be asked to bring wine. If you show up at someone's house with an unexpected bottle of wine at Thanksgiving, I can't think of one person who'll be angry at that. Maybe Adam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as an You addict, wonder what I was dude. doing at his Thanksgiving. <laughs>
0: I mean, as an anecdote, I do know a dude who does bring his own beer to dinner parties and does only drink it for himself. And I've always been like, man, not cool.
1: Um Yeah, this guy so, keeps getting invited to dinner parties? Uh, what?
0: Well, yeah, so apparently he's like the husband of someone who's known as b- being very cool. And so they like having her around. And so he oh, just God. kind of comes around. Anyways. That's, so he's the tax. Yeah, yeah that's a tangent we don't need to get on. But I do have a another question. Um so speaking of sort of like wine with the meal, what about other things? Like how how could we handle if, if I have a beer person there or if there's someone that likes bourbon? I think bourbon is really aggressive to pair with Thanksgiving dinner. But like other ideas of, of how you can handle that and how could you do both?
2: Adam, I am so glad that you asked this question because if there's one thing that I love doing when entertaining at – Any holiday or just, you know, a a weeknight dinner party. I never have weeknight dinner parties. Anyway, anytime you're entertaining. um, One thing that I think is really cool is a kind of a DIY bar. How do you say DIY DIY bar, just as long um, as it's
1: not a DUI bar.
2: Yeah, be- <laughs> those are the worst. Um, no, sorry. I think that if you're having folks over at any opportunity, whether it's a holiday or otherwise, a DIY cocktail bar is so cool. I do this whenever I have folks over for brunch. You know, you can just set out a mixer or two, and then one or two spirits. And so, let's say it's Thanksgiving, say, and you might put out like. I don't know, an Amaro, sparkling water, some gin, um, like a couple of sprigs of rosemary, some cut limes. And that way that really sorts things out for everyone. Like if some of your guests don't drink, they can put, if they don't drink alcohol, they can put rosemary and a lime and some sparkling water. And that's a really cool way to kick off their day. Um, you know, if, if you've got folks who are not huge drinkers, but they want to have an aperitif, um, you don't have to call it an aperitif. Um, you know, if you want folks to have a, a pre-dinner drink, which is served at 1 p.m. having like a little splash of Amara with some sparkling um could be really nice and ditto gin, I think gin and tonics are, you know, that's a, it's a very palatable cocktail for people who may or may not be huge drinkers. It's familiar or they know it. Um so that's something that I like to have. You know, you can have that set up in the corner of your apartment, your home, um whatever palatial yacht you're hosting Thanksgiving on, you can have that set up. And that's a kind of self-serve option that I think is really great. In terms of beer, I mean, craft lagers, am I right? I think craft lagers are so crowd-pleasing. It's, for me, it's kind of what I want to drink in terms of beer with a huge, hearty, carb-heavy meal, um, to have something light, fizzy, yellow, but not Coors Light, essentially. No offense to Coors Light. Um, not my preferred beverage. To each his own. Um, you know, I think it's it's a good way to have a, a beer that's a, a little bit more complex than your standard macro lager, but still totally palatable to the macro lager crowd.
1: Yeah, I totally, I'm, I'm with you there in terms of the, you kind of want to think about, you know, you, you sort of said at the beginning, Emily, that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think that plays into a lot of the decision making that I always make around beverage choices. So, you know, you, you want to think about pairing and, you know, you want to think about what flavors go well. But the Thanksgiving table is a complete clusterfuck as far as flavors, anyhow. So, like, (laughs) everyone's, you know, I get asked this question all the time. I'm sure both of you do. Oh, what wine should we have for Thanksgiving? Or, like, what's the perfect pairing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, can you define one flavor that dominates Thanksgiving? Like, turkey doesn't taste like much. I mean, if you cook it properly, it's got some flavor, but you know, it's not. We don't we don't eat turkey because it is the most delicious thing. And a lot of the side dishes are like, you know, sort of either uh, deliciously rich and fatty, like I don't know, like uh, mashed potatoes or there or stuffing. You know, kind of carb heavy. But you know, it's a it's basically you know kind of whatever you want. I just don't want anything super high alcohol or super heavy because then yeah the the marathon gets real ugly real quick, um, and uh, I don't know. I'm 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 not sure what happens if you're trying to run a marathon on a full stomach, but I can't imagine it's good.
2: Agree, agree wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> no, I I I just think that it's important to remember. Um, not to, not to Pollyanna on us, but I just think it's important to remember that your friends and family are there to celebrate a holiday. They're really presumably not there to judge your pairings. Um, and if they are uh, buzzkill, you know, that's not really what I, what I like want to spend my days off doing. Um, and so I, I think that as long as you, you treat what you like, like let's say you really love, a Pinot Noir that's got some fruit on it. And like, that might not be my favorite, you know, like sort of like Central Coast California um, Pinot Noir. That's not my preferred bottle, but like maybe that's yours and that's fine. Um, maybe you think that pairs well with something that's so carby. Um, you know, that's that's totally okay. I think it's important to treat Thanksgiving as like a party, not as a test.
1: Yeah, it depends a little bit on your circumstances of course, cuz there are definitely the fam- the families and the friend groups where uh Thanksgiving is 100% a competition not a party. But but hopefully that's not most of you. Uh um, Well, you
0: don't have you everyone doesn't have the family where like they're asked when so and so is getting married or they're comparing who went to what college and who has the better job. I thought that everyone had that.
1: Or maybe like when are you going to have kids, you know that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah. You know. That's part of. That's part of the charm of Thanksgiving too. So I, I wanted to say I have. I have one other. Uh, I think wine related. Um, tip maybe for Thanksgiving that I think is important to share, which is Thanksgiving to me is one of the absolute best holidays for like magnums of wine. Because one of the things that sucks about Thanksgiving sometimes when you do have different people bringing wines is if you've got, you know, 10, 12 people at your Thanksgiving table or certainly more, you open one bottle of wine and, man, that is gone in an instant. And if it, especially if you have different wines, it can be a real bummer to, you know, maybe you'll, you really like something and you get, you know, two ounces of it. Uh, so large bottles, great option for a holiday where people are going to be drinking a lot uh, and maybe everyone wants to try a couple of different things. Um, they're not, like, the hardest thing on earth to find, especially if you give yourself, you know, Know, more than a half days uh, lead time. Um, but I think it's like a great option for um, for sort of keeping everyone uh, happy in their glass full. Plus, they look cool. They're big. It's the part of the holiday is abundance.
2: Yeah, I think that's such a cool idea, especially because as you said, it's it feels celebratory.
1: Yeah, no one ever opens a Magnum and is like, man, this is lame. Like, I mean, sometimes the wine sucks, I guess. But, like, you know, there's there's just something – in the same way that opening, like, a bottle of sparkling wine is inherently a celebratory act. Opening a larger bottle of wine than the one we normally work with is uh, is just, like, it feels festive. And that's, again, kind of coming back to it. It's, like, part of uh, part of the deal. And that way also, like, no one feels bad about drinking some of it because I get that too. You know, it's like, oh – I'll just I'll just have a tiny little taste. I don't I don't want to drink all of it. You know, there's seven other people here, uh, with a magnum. You're like, yeah, hey, whatever. Port, it. fill it up. We're good. There's still like you know <laughs> another bottle and a half in there. Um,
0: so I I do also love magnums, but to I do also realize in this conversation that. Emily's kind of shooting down my bourbon suggestion, which is, which is fine. I get it. But the one thing that I'm hoping that she won't shoot down is something that I think we both have mutual love for. And I think is actually the spirit we have not talked about, which is quintessentially Thanksgiving. And that is Applejack i think that applejack first of all it's america's original spirit Uh, i'm gonna let emily explain what it is because i i learned when she was working on an applejack piece that we had a mutual love for it um but i think that like if you want to bring liquor into the party that it is the ideal liquor to bring if you can't find applejack then you could do calvados right it's uh this is these are apple brandies if you will um but like i don't know emily can i get away with that
2: you know that I love applejack of course. Um <laughs> Um, I think that Applejack is a super cool idea, especially if you want to do something unusual. Again, ask your host. Um, your host might want you to just bring Pinot Noir. Um, but I actually do agree. I think Applejack is really cool. So essentially it's, it's Apple brandy and, and that's kind of a, a weird concept. I don't think tons of Americans drink brandy anymore, even though there's so many great brandy cocktails you can make. Um, and so I think that you can just have Apple, I actually think Applejack is, is super delicious as like a sipper. Um, but you can also use it in a sidecar. You know, like you got to measure your sweetness. It it gets super sweet super quickly. Um, But I do think that's a cool thing to bring if you want to go unusual. I think galvados is delicious. You know, it's like just like a citrus rind. I just think it's really tasty. Um, I actually think, you know, I think actually we differ on this. Um, I think cognac is really great, um, especially as like an after dinner thing. Um, you know, I don't know if your families do this, like in in mine, in, in one sort of corner of my family, um, there are some hardcore American football fans and they are going to watch after we eat and before we have dessert. And so like during that hour, during like the football gossip, when are you having kids hour, I think that's a really great time for some cognac um, <laughs> and actually, or Brent, you know, like, I actually think it's just it's a nice sipping thing i also think it feels celebratory when was the last time you brought a bottle of applejack to someone's house um i mean i could also suggest something that i don't mean to stir the pot but cider
1: (laughs) that's a callback to a previous episode for those of you who are not loyal (laughs) listeners um I, i you know i oh you know how i feel about cider (laughs) Um, I actually feel like, you know, I I can't I can never decide on this because I think there is a strong temptation with Thanksgiving and understandably to kind of play up uh, Americana in terms of everything. Right. So we think about the history. Yeah, You
0: absolutely should. This is this is an American holiday. If you're going to start challenging that right now, you need to just stop talking. We'll have another episode where you can talk about how much you love France and that you were just in Europe. It's an American holiday, Zach. I don't want to hear it.
1: man, you're the one who suggested Beaujolais. I didn't say anything about it. Um, I, I was just going to say that I think it's actually, I, I was actually sort of going to agree, which is like it is an interesting holiday to sort of um, pay homage to the various parts of America uh, American uh, drinking culture, both past and present. And Applejack, um, as Emily and Adam alluded to, has a long history in America, even if it's not a very popular beverage anymore. It was once the most popular beverage here. Um, I also think cider is certainly an option. The flavor profile, if you can stomach it, if you're not Adam, uh, tends to work well with a lot of Thanksgiving Foods, obviously, you know, you can. There's plenty of domestic beer and wine and, and other kinds of spirits. Um, but what I actually want to also recommend is, I think another kind of quintessentially American thing. Um, but it's not necessarily um, American. It's not necessarily something that's made in America. But it's just it's an American um, idea, I guess, an American concept, um, which is that um, you kind of give people choice right i think you know, i've been thinking about this a lot as regards to thanksgiving because there's a part of me that's that has this impulse to be like here is what is provided here you know when we we obviously set a menu and all that but there's a part of me that's like that wants to just be like here is the correct wine to drink here is the beverage but i i come back to kind of what emily was talking about before about this idea of having a little mini cocktail bar I think that the most important thing that you do when you host, or if you're a guest, too, is to facilitate people's ability to make their own choices. And sometimes they're going to make choices we don't agree with, and that's okay. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, I think, still a fundamental part of America that we have uh, the freedom to make our own choices.
2: I think that's lovely. You know, I was actually going to dial back Adam's America First uh, diatribe earlier by saying that I kind of disagree. I think that Americana is what we make it. You know, what my America is, is not someone else's. When I was growing up, I had grandparents because they were from, you know, a different place. We had some different foods on Thanksgiving that are not turkey stuffing, et cetera, Um, you know, we, we had pasta dishes and we had Italian things. And I kind of, it's this weird thing, like my family serves stuffed roasted peppers at Thanksgiving, which is like an Italian Americana dish. And like with that, would I turn my nose up at having, you know, I just, I kind of think everyone's American experience, not to get too philosophical here, but everyone's American experience is Utterly subjective in the same way that like who is French? Who is, you know, like we can, we can do this all day. This is a different podcast, but I kind of think, you know, if for you, it's important to have things that are. American made would like a lovely opportunity to do it you know like this is an American holiday um, why not you know I, I've actually been to Thanksgiving dinners where at the end of the meal someone has told me that every single thing they served was locally sourced and you know that for her was meaningful on Thanksgiving um, and I you know I'm saying that facetiously but like that's nice You know? <laughs> I'm not going to get mad at that um, and you know ditto if, if you're like me and unlike Adam you have a pluralistic worldview yeah. uh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, if, if you, if you want to consider Thanksgiving to be an international holiday, um, you know, or or rather celebrate America's internationalism, um, I think that's nice, too. You know, you can, you can still have, you can still have What's the South African spirit? Amarula? You know, you can have whatever you want on Thanksgiving. Um, this is a holiday that while the while the menu feels really prescriptive, um, I don't know of two Thanksgivings that are identical. You know, everyone kind of has their own version of it. I have a friend who has like a sort of troubled relationship with his family and he eats a burger on Thanksgiving, like solo, you know, the, to each his own. Like, how, Who am I to say that like my sister's turkey and stuffing is more Thanksgiving than his solitary burger. Um, you know, I, I as I said I just I think that it's it's important on a holiday like this where there is often a lot of expectation to just kind of take the pressure off of yourself and remember it's it's supposed to be a party.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. <laughs> I just want to defend myself here because I don't want to come off as like the jingoistic, you know, the reason that I I'm a huge advocate for American wines, American uh spirits, et cetera, on Thanksgiving probably is because of my immigrant background. And so we don't have a lot of these foods ever except for Thanksgiving. Like my mom never made mac and cheese. My mom, we never had a turkey any other time besides Thanksgiving. Uh, There's a lot of brisket and kugel and things like that. But And I really like theme days. (laughs) So, you know, I'm a big fan of like going all in on the theme. So for me, it's super fun to sort of be like, oh, let me rediscover. And I do think also this might be different than uh, Zach a little bit being in Seattle, but I don't – I really don't think so. I think in New York, we are so overexposed to the European wine world and the European spirits world that I embarrassingly, besides what we taste for – Tastings here in the office. Don't drink a lot of American wine. Uh, I that that's that's my own fault. Um, I don't even think it's a bias. I just think when you go to a restaurant in New York City, we have talked about this before. The list is overwhelmingly, um, you know, filled with French wines, Italian wines, etc. So I just find myself gravitating those. Same same in wine shops here. So for me, Thanksgiving has become this really cool holiday that pushes me out of that comfort zone and says, hey, like, oh, this is a holiday about sort of America and we're not going to completely – Think about politics during this this time of, of the year. Hopefully, we can take a break. Uh, and so maybe I can try to rediscover some really amazing American Pinot Noirs or cool Napa cabs, et cetera, and bring them and share them with family and friends. That's the only reason I'm going to advocate for it. I'm not advocating for it on a trade basis. We should, let's, let's not pass a lot of tariffs and <laughs> things like that. Um, but just wanted to jump in there and defend myself. But I also want to take this opportunity um, to really thank Emily for joining us today. I think this has been a really fun podcast. There's been a lot of laughing, which... Uh, has been super awesome.
1: Yeah, Zach, hopefully that's hey, like your uh, Thanksgiving dinner, right? Lots of laughter. I hope and there only, is lots of laughter on, around the table. And only a little bit of argumentation.
0: Yeah, so Emily, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. Awesome.
0: And uh, Zach, I will see you and our listeners next week. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to VinePair. We'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to drop us a line at podcast.vinepair.com. And if you really love the show, we'd love if you rate it and iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews and ratings really help other people discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is recorded in New York City at VinePair headquarters and in Seattle, Washington at Cloud Studios. Our engineer is Nick Patriot, and the show is produced by Zach me. Our show logo was designed by Daniel Grimberg. Special thanks as well to the entire VinePair staff, including but not limited to my co-founder, Josh Mallett, and our editor-in-chief, Emily Saladino. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next week.